0: Well, good Sunday morning. If I've not had the joy of meeting you yet, my name is Tracy Bianchi and I serve as one of our pastors here on staff and it is my joy to bring us God's word this morning, which will be eventually when we get to it in the sermon from the book of Acts chapter 15. So if any of you want to get that ready and grab your pew Bible and turn to Acts 15. Feel free to do that. We have, as a church, been on a journey these last couple weeks through what we are calling a series of unbreakable. What does it look like to create unbreakable communities? people gathered together, either your closest friends, your immediate family, colleagues that you're on a journey with. How do groups of people become an unbreakable force of good in our world? When trouble comes, how do you withstand it? And how do we Bring God's light to others because we are able to stand well together. That's what we've been exploring for the last few weeks as a church. If you find yourself new here today, hopefully that'll catch you up just a little bit. And this week, the topic is how we communicate well together, how good communication, God honoring biblical communication with one another empowers us and makes us those unbreakable people. How many of you have ever struggled to communicate a point to somebody, right? Yeah. Most of us, my guess is on more than one occasion in our lives, have found ourselves going, oh, but I, I thought they knew what I wanted. <laughs> I thought they understood my goal. I, I thought I communicated it clearly. Clearly. You know how many of you have ever been at a stadium or a sporting event or something like that, and you're kind of waving your arms trying to communicate to a person who's trying to find you in the crowd, right? Over here, here's where I'm at. You know, communication can feel like that at many times in our lives. It can be exasperating. Many of us have likely come home from work or school and said, oh, you know, my team doesn't understand. My teacher doesn't understand. I don't understand. So it should come then as no surprise to us that, you know, God himself actually struggles to communicate with us at times. Now look at scripture. How many times has God communicated to someone in a different way. I mean, the number is countless. If you think about it, at the very beginning of Scripture, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are walking with God. They're talking with God. They're communing with God, and he's talking to them in an audible voice. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where I wished God would give me an audible to-do list every morning when I wake up. Now, later, he talks to Abram and he says, Get up and go to the land I will show you. He talks audibly to Abram. He speaks through prophets Elijah, Elisha, John the Baptist, Amos, Jeremiah. He speaks in dreams, Joseph and Pharaoh, right? Conversation about God speaking through dreams. He speaks through Daniel in dreams. In angels, he talks to us. Luke chapter 1, an angel of the Lord comes to Mary. An angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah. He speaks to us through other people. Second Samuel, when King David had, had messed up. Scripture tells us that the Lord sent his friend Nathan to him with a message on how to make that situation right. He talks through a donkey In Numbers 22, a pillar, we're told, the Israelites, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And when God couldn't get the apostle Paul's attention, he knocked him off a horse onto the ground and struck him blind. He used blindness to communicate. And then just a few verses later, in a vision, he came to a man named Ananias and said, Ananias, go tell Paul his sight will be restored. And in some of these vignettes, what's so amazing is that we, the people that God is communicating with, dare to speak back. If you look at the Ananias passage, he says, no, Lord, I'm not going (laughs) there. That man was once murdering people. Why would I? Go there. God speaks through His Holy Spirit, the Bible, through prayer, through the natural world, through sunshine and oceans and mountaintops and storms. And when all of that is not enough, He took a flesh and blood human being and strung him up on a cross to communicate His vast love for us. Communicating with us is anything but simple. So why are we so surprised when we struggle to communicate well with one another? When we do find one another, it is to God's glory. Jesus, in John chapter 10, verse 27, says this simple thing. He says, my sheep, my people, hear my voice. He says, I know them And they follow me. This is communication with God. This is communing well. But we struggle. George Bernard Shaw says this, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Right? Now, how many times have we said, but I told you. And someone says, I had no idea. Former Archbishop Rowan Williams once said that bad communication leaves us Less room to grow. We become tight-knit, unbreakable circles of people when we learn how to communicate well with one another. It is an art form worth pursuing because God deems it As such, God has been in relentless pursuit of us, desperately trying to communicate love and grace and mercy with us since the beginning of human history, and it is on us to continue to try to communicate well with one another. Just a few weeks ago, I was in a situation where there was really bad communication— I have a six-year-old daughter. She is in first grade, and she is learning how to play soccer. And I was at a meeting for her team, and the coach was encouraging us to get involved, and the coach said, I need a referee. And I looked at the ground instantly, right? You don't make eye contact. You're going to get conscripted into service, right? So I'm kind of looking at the ground, and she's like, Tracy, would you be willing to be our referee? And I'm like, of all the people, why did you ask me? I said, you know what? I said, I'm probably the only person on planet Earth that actually has never played the game of soccer. Like, never, ever. I've never been on a soccer field. I don't know anything about the game. I would make the worst referee ever. And this person said to me, it's no big deal. They're six-year-olds. You need a whistle, and you need to keep the ball in. You'll be fine. And I'm terrible at saying no. So I was like, sure, fine, sign me up. And then she goes, oh, by the way, there's a three-hour meeting on Tuesday. (laughs) It's like, three hours to coach six-year-olds? All right, I'll go to your meeting. I went to the meeting. I, I was so overwhelmed. I got a 100-page FIFA guidebook to soccer. I got an official coin that I'm supposed to toss at the beginning. I, I was given flags and yellow cards. I was told I was going to have to wear a uniform, A bright yellow top and matching shorts and that I might need to wear shin guards in case I get kicked by the kids. I was told I need to bring two whistles to the game in case the first whistle fails. I'll need a second whistle. You know, I, I don't play soccer. And there was another gentleman in the meeting whose eyes were wide with horror. And he said what we were all thinking. He raised his hand. He goes, this was communicated to me that all I needed to do was keep the ball in bounds. Because I'm very overwhelmed. And I looked at him. I'm like, me too. But this, you know, this is just soccer, right? Just a silly little example. But how many of us feel sometimes like we're stuck in the wrong uniform, sitting on a field we never planned to be on, people yelling commands and throwing flags at us, and we, we don't even know what's happening. Right? My spouse My brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my colleagues, my coworkers, my teacher, my best friend. We all have places where we, as Paul Newman once said, have, quote, a failure to communicate, right? I thought you said. I must have misunderstood. Why didn't you tell me? How come he or she said? Why are they so upset? You know, most of us know the stakes in good communication are a lot higher than a soccer ball our marriages, our relationships with our children? How many times in human history have we broke out into war or violence? How many times have we acted out of unjust places because we just can't figure out how to communicate with one another? Well, hopefully it'll bring you a little bit of comfort to know that the early church struggled in this exact same way. Now, I don't know about you, I'm often under a false illusion that everybody got along famously in the early church. I read the second chapter of Acts and I'm told that they gathered together and they prayed and and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved and I have this sort of unrealistic, idyllic picture. I mean, these were God's first church people, right? These were the first congregations. Surely, they communicated perfectly. Well, the reality is they struggled like so many of us do, but they stuck together through a challenge and found their way to life-giving, God-honoring communication with one another. And what I'd like to do this morning is walk us through a small portion of their story from Acts chapter 15. I will read for us now verses 1 through 11. Just listen along, and then I'll take us through just a few bits of this story that I think really will help us understand God's heart for people to figure out how to communicate, to commune, right? Same wording, to commune together well. It's called the Jerusalem Council, is the subheading of this passage. And we're told that while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, they were off traveling on a missionary journey, and what is left behind is the Jerusalem church. So Paul and Barnabas, their church leaders, are off. And they're trying to carry on while those two are out teaching. Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, the church there, that unless you are circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. And finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, back to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. And they told them much to everyone's joy that the Gentiles, the non-Jewish among them, the, the masses were being converted. When they finally arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders, and they reported everything that God was doing through them out there in that big world. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up in the middle of their gathering, right, and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. And so we're told the apostles and the elders met together to resolve the issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood and addressed them as followers. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved by the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul and Barnabas come back to Jerusalem This is a conversation basically, to sum it up, asking the question, how Jewish is our church going to be? They didn't have a precedent of some of the different denominations or seminaries or commentaries or conversations we have today. Many of them came from Jewish faith to Christianity, but all they knew was their Jewish upbringing. How Jewish are we going to be? What laws and rituals and rules need to be in place to be saved? And the conversation, while Paul and Barnabas were gone, was simply that, yeah, you know what? Let's tell everybody they should be circumcised in order to be saved, which probably had all the men then, as it might now, wondering, is that really the best way forward? What they did together was come to a conversation. And again, I think we're often under a misconception that these were quick, easy decisions. But if you look at the text, the little things you miss along the way, it says they met together for a long time. And Paul and Barnabas were on their way back, and we read they traveled through a couple other cities on their way. They made a long journey back. They didn't just hop a flight to L.A. to go figure this out, and we're back by dinner. These were arduous times. Travel was hard. They were, they were road-weary. They were worn out. They were probably hungry Probably a little bit frustrated that they had to make their way back to settle this issue, because they were off doing some good work. And the collection of folks gathered were significant. You now, Paul. You now Paul is a stalwart, opinionated, forceful, strong man who, before his ver- conversion to Christianity, was murdering Christians. I wouldn't want to argue with Paul. Peter, This is impulsive. Deny Christ three times, get so fired up, you chop the ear off of a guard on the night that Jesus was betrayed because you can't contain yourself, Peter. Barnabas is there. He's known probably as a background figure, an encourager, kind of that wise sage who sits in the back of the room during a debate and finally at the end may offer a strong, encouraging word. James, the half-brother of Jesus, is there. He's likely chairing the meeting. He goes on to be what is mostly the leader of this Jerusalem church. And then you have the congregants, right? You have all these elders and leaders from all over the place. And most scholars believe that Jesus' mother, Mary, was in almost all of these sorts of conversations and discussions, that she never strayed far. And if she was there, how would you like to argue with the mother of Jesus, right? These are not... Easy conversations. And yet, it's a conversation about how the church is going to go forward. Conversations that happen throughout history over similar issues. Do we baptize babies or adults? Do we dunk? Do we sprinkle? How liturgical will we be? Do we celebrate Lent, Advent? Do we call our pastors reverends, priests, pastors? Do women preach or teach? What sort of music will we use to worship? Most importantly, where will the donuts be after service, right? This is the same stuff. They were sitting and wrestling with the same stuff we're wrestling with. And I want to offer just three quick thoughts on how they found their way through it. Because what they did is what we can do. It's a biblical example for handling conflict, for communicating well, And for bringing God's people together and also our intimate communities of people together. And the three things are simply this, stop, look, and listen. Stop what you're doing when you sense there is a failure to communicate. Stop what you're doing. You notice what Paul and Barnabas did? They completely stopped the journey they were on. And again, it wasn't easy for them to get back to have these conversations. They stopped. They recognized that good communication was not going to happen unless they stopped the momentum of the direction they were turning in and went back. Now, our momentum today are our careers, our kids, our educations our retirements, whatever it is, we are on a fast track as a culture. And I cannot tell you how many times in my own house and in others, we have not stopped to communicate because we're in a hurry. We've got to make that game. We've got to make that event. We can't possibly miss that meeting. Meanwhile, the people that are living under your roof are crying out to resolve issues. We have to ruthlessly and relentlessly stop ourselves, cancel everything, order a pizza, and talk it out. We cannot communicate well if we are too hurried to even sit down with each other and make it work. Secondly, look at people. Do you really see people? Are you actually really truly listening to them? Or are you half listening to them while you're scrolling your texts and your brain is somewhere else. A couple years ago, my children were in the kitchen and they were playing a game. I was cooking dinner and they were playing this game. They were guessing, they, they called it, who are you? And they would quote one of our family members and some of them, one of them would go, oh, you're Grandpa John, right? And then one of them would do something else and like, oh, you're dad, oh, you're Nana. And then my daughter, who was four years old at the time, put her arms out like this to pretend like she was on her computer And she goes, wait a second, just got to finish this email. And everybody goes, oh, your mom. Like, oh, you know, right? They wanted my attention so often. And I was, I was focusing on good things. I was getting work done. But their experience of me that I didn't see them. I didn't look at them. Do you see the people who God has put into your path? Whether you like it or not, whether you understand them or not. Whether you always agree with them or not, do you see the people God has put in your space? Rachel Naomi Remen says this, The most basic and powerful way to connect to another person is to listen. Just listen. Perhaps the most important thing we ever give each other is our attention. A loving silence often has far more power to heal and to connect than the most well-intentioned words. Are you looking eye to eye or with active listening on the phone or FaceTime or whatever it is, are you really looking at the people God has placed in front of you? And finally, listen. What do you learn in communication if you come to communicate with a group of people wondering to yourself, what can I learn from them? Maybe in the back of my, your mind you're saying, I disagree with them completely, 100%. But if you let into that mindset if something soak in that says, but I have something to learn from them. I need to listen to them. Communication will go dramatically different than if you just bring your agenda and throw it on the table and say, everybody line up behind me everybody has an agenda of some sort, but what makes good communication happen is when we sit and seek to understand from one another the place they're coming from. You know, the great thing about Peter and Paul in this passage, they understood what Jewish believers were feeling. They spent time in those communities. They ministered to those folks. They listened to the stories. Later on, throughout the whole book of Acts, they tell the stories of their own about God's transformation in those communities. They demonstrated the power of listening to one another. They understood where folks were coming from. Eric Hoffer once said this, in times of change, right, which is when we often struggle to communicate, in times of change, learners, listeners, inherit the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. How do we listen well? How do we look at people? How do we stop, look, and listen? And after we're done listening, yes, we share our thoughts and our ideas and opinions and hope that the other person is listening to us as well. Now, one of the great myths I think we face in communication is that we all have to agree on everything. You know, this is a perfect example of the way that our, our biblical forefathers, they, they struggled. They didn't always agree on everything together. Later on in this very chapter, we read that, that Paul, he, they can't agree on who's going where and we read if you look down to chapter or verse 36 that they parted ways one of them wanted Barnabas one of them wanted Silas somebody wanted to bring John Mark and they disagreed and they went their separate ways to do ministry but if we listen we can be transformed you know this is this is what God wants when we get at communication right I mean God doesn't communicate to us just so we get in line behind him like drones, not thinking. No, God communicates to us so that he can commune with us. The Latin root of the word "communicate" is the same root that goes into the word commune, community. The point of God speaking and communicating with us is so that we are in relationship with him. And the power of our good communication with whatever community you're in is that you will love one another more deeply, you will understand one another more clearly, and you will respect and celebrate the differences so beautifully, if you can communicate well into an unbreakable community together. There's a bit of an urban legend that circulates. Maybe you've heard this story before. Circles like humanitarian and justice organizations have shared this story before. It's the story of a man who happens to be blind and who's sitting outside of a train station with his cup, a metal cup, right? He's trying to get some money and he's got on a cardboard sheet something simply scrawled with pen that says, I'm blind, please help. And he sits there day after day after day and a few little coins go in the cup, but mostly people read the sign and walk on. He hasn't succeeded necessarily at communicating his need or the understanding of the people who are passing by. And the story goes that one afternoon, a woman comes up and takes the sign out of his hands and writes something different on it, flips it over and writes something different on it and gives it back to him. And he sits there holding it. He has no idea what it says. And all of a sudden, the money starts to overflow the cup And paper that doesn't quite clink the way coins do start muting the sound of coins in the cup because they're stuffing so much money in his little cup. And she stands there next to him for a while and watches people respond. And finally, he senses that she's still there. And he says, what does my sign say? So she reads it to him. And it simply says, today is a beautiful day but I cannot see it, right? A simple rewording and rephrasing and a simple move of the conversation and everything changed. And suddenly it wasn't just him putting a statement out there, it was a relationship. Because suddenly if I walked by that sign, I would go, well, golly, I get to see the beautiful day. Praise the Lord, I get to see this beautiful day and here this man doesn't. What can I do to help? Suddenly there's a conversation that happens without many words. Do you see how just simple adjustments, the opportunity to stop and look at that man and listen changes the entire context of the conversation, right? This is what God is after with us. This is what the early church tried to do. And going back to the beginning, this is what God has tried to do from day one of human history is communicate love and mercy and justice and peace and hope and understanding to us so that we, in turn, would do the same. Amen? Ephesians 3 ends with this. Paul is talking to the church, and what he wants more than anything for them is to understand God's love, and he says this. May you, God's people, have the power to understand, right, to be communicating to each other, and, and, and to God, all that God's people should do, and how wide, and how long, and how high, and how deep. May you understand that the love of God is. So friends, may this be now how we live, how we form unbreakable communities together. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the grace you give us this day. Thank you that in front of every single one of us is a person who you'd like us to communicate well with. And maybe we don't even know who that is. Maybe we know exactly who that is, and we just sometimes wish that wasn't the case. But Lord, you've gifted us with the minds and the hearts and the vision and the understanding we need to communicate well. So Lord, please help us put it all into practice. Lord, we won't always agree, so give us patience the times where we disagree. And Lord, give us resources to act on the times that we unanimously decide to charge ahead. And may, Lord, in all things, the reason for our communication be to love and to honor you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everyone said, amen.